Caribbean Birth Stories has been brought to you by the Amai Birth Collection. Head over to theamishop.com. That's the A-M-A-I-Shop.com for special offers and to learn more about the Amai family. Hi, my name is Dr. Chanel Otley-Allen host of Caribbean Bird Stories. This is the first and only podcast that focuses on Caribbean women from all walks of life, narrating their journey of giving birth, navigating self-care postpartum, and parenting across the beautiful islands of the Caribbean and the diaspora. Caribbean Bird Stories has been and continues to provide a space for honest, non-judgmental conversations. Welcome to season three. This is the second part of our season premiere. We left off with Nayat describing what the calculus of descent looks like. And if you didn't listen before, take this opportunity to check out episode 22. Today, we pick up with Daniela and Kayola, who share their thoughts on having to discuss race and skin color with their little ones, especially with them being minorities in the classroom. Have a listen. I never thought I would have to talk about this earlier on, but when they went to school, we, we talked about racism, you know, mm-hmm. in a really nice way, by the way. We just talked about, you know, it's, you, you know, it, it, people will look different and that's all right. You know, but we treat people this same. We talk about equality a lot at home, by the way, and, and discrimination. But it, it's, it's a conversation I, I didn't, my parents didn't have with me. I'm going to be very honest. No. Nobody had that conversation with me. And I had to discuss that with my five-year-old because I thought it was important that she come and tells me if because she is one of two or it's a 15 children you know yes um that is the reality i need i need you to know i need to know if something's happening because you know like that said i will get in there and you're like you know you kind of you need to know so you can figure it out and yeah so it's not a conversation i ever thought i would have so early on but we talk about yeah. it regularly on. right and Kyola, because I know you're in Missouri. Missouri just has a different meaning altogether. Missouri has a different meaning altogether. Yeah. Um, I wish I was taking notes. I have so many different comments. And Listen to me. You guys are going to move this a two-parter if you all continue talking the way you all talking. Yeah, right? because it's a it's lot. Important. It's mm-hmm. a lot. I'm going to try to stay... I cannot be succinct, but I will try to stay on task with regard to explaining how -hmm. that has been for us. I feel like I was thrust into having conversations about race and skin color well before I was prepared to. Right. Um, Connor and I moved to Missouri from Delaware. And we moved from Delaware, moved to Delaware from New Jersey. So when we were in New Jersey, when Connor was born, I had to have his paperwork adjusted because he came out, he was he 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 was a little jaundiced and mm-hmm. his father's lighter skin than I am. He's also a black man, he's a black person. Mm-hmm. But they put him as a white child, so that was one. So I had mm-hmm. to get that changed before. And if you saw, if you'd see his pictures, I was just like they were they just couldn't understand why he was so light and I was so dark. So they just put white. Because it makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. That was one. And it was immaterial in that moment but connor looked a little on the hispanic side for the early part of his years like i would say one through three that's mm-hmm. whenever we go anywhere and where we live there were there was enough hispanic people at the time and they would talk to him in spanish and not even talk to me and he would just be like <laughs> and i would say 
away from Trinidad and they will talk to him and speak to him in Spanish again and then look at me. And I was like, and there was one time we were traveling in a Spanish speaking country and an older lady pretty much had her part, the person with her, like, tell me off that I'm not raising my child in his heritage because wow. he should know Spanish. Clearly, he's a Hispanic. Clearly. And I mean, like, Tans was going in. And so I was like, we are from Trinidad and Tobago and we're really close to Venezuela, but we speak English. Like, we really mm -hmm. do. And she just, she wanted, the only thing she didn't do was put me on Maury for DNA test to let me know that I, you understand? I was wrong. So then, I mean, all kicks aside, when we moved to Delaware, it was a lovely mix. Our community was very, we had a lot of transient people um, in that community. So people who worked in the bank, um, you know, in my industry, in the banking industry, who would be there on site for like a year or two, whatever. So it was always a revolving door of people. So everybody lived where we lived. White, mm -hmm. Black, Bangladeshi, Indian, Indian, Asian. I mean, like all from all over the world. So there was never any obvious differences. Even in the daycares that he would attend, there was always a mix. We'd mm -hmm. see some differences in certain areas, but he, we always, we had a really good time. You know, like I right. really didn't have to deal with any issues. And one of Connor's best friends are little white boys. And they've always said they're twins. If they wear a gray shirt, um, we're twins. If they wear a blue shirt, we're twins. It was just, it was the sweetest thing. Now, when we moved here, hmm. the introduction to race and obvious differences was just so glaring mm -hmm. and it was like an assault on my senses and it, it was just a lot within the first term that connor was in kindergarten there was an issue where a little boy flat out told him that you should die because you're black wow and so i mean obviously <clears throat> you all didn't see me on the news so i was able to manage <clears throat> but it took a lot for me to break that down because my issue with them is I can't change the demographic of the place that we've chosen to move because that's pretty much, it's a choice that I made to move from the East Coast to the Midwest. But at the same time, I can, I have to protect my son mm -hmm. and I have to be sure that he is able to understand who he is outside of somebody weaponizing or dehumanizing him because of his color. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so in his school, I think it's about six grades altogether and there may be 10 black children and mm. some of those black children are black via being biracial or multiracial mm -hmm. so it's constantly reaffirming with him who he is and so I had to stick I stuck things on his bathroom telling him he's brave he's wonderful he's smart he belongs anywhere he can do anything you know those kind of affirmations and I got a lot of support from a ton of friends because, of course, I posted about it on social media. I posted some of the information exchanged with some of the other parents that the parents of the child and other things that happened with him. Mm -hmm. And so kindergarten was full of me having to completely switch up my focus and just build my son up every single day before he left the house. And mm. so one thing that I know he was not going to have to deal with if you were in Trinidad is that. You know yes. And so a lot of the support, of course, because I am very connected to everybody outside of where we live, because to live abroad for so long means to be to re like there's no way for me to be connected without being connected in some electronically. So whether it's some form of social media, telephone calls or visiting and that kind of thing. And so I post about experiences because it is very different from what other people might be experiencing. And we don't oftentimes think outside the box. 
So by posting, I got a lot of responses from other parents who are dealing or navigating their own, you know, issues with stuff like that, that helped me kind of understand what to do or get advice or feedback or whatever on how I could support my son, um, support him dealing with that. And so this, for the first time, I had to tell him that he was black because I mean, like, when do you do that? When do you really um, wake up and say, I'm going to tell my son that he's black? You know what I mean? Like, like, when do you have to say that? He knows that he's a boy. He knows his age. He knows, you know what I mean? He's smart and loved and all those things. But I've had these children who are then being raised by people who mean that they must label, like they must label him. You know, they must tell him. They have to tell him who he is. And I was like, people don't get to tell you who you are. Who you are. These yeah. are the things. You happen to look a certain way. So for months, all he did was talk about skin. You know, mm. light skin, brown skin, dark skin, skin like yours, mommy, skin like mine, mommy, lighter than you, mommy, mommy. And so when he talked about children, he wouldn't remember their name. He would say X, Y, Z did this and they have light skin and X, Y, Z did that. And they have brown skin, kind of like mine and kind of like yours, mom. So I had to fill my house with all these books and images of brown people doing all sorts of things, brown people cutting hair and what hair looked like and going on adventures and all those things to just kind of flood him with positive images outside of what he's being told. And um, on top of that, we went out to brunch one morning and because we do, you know, go out and eat and stuff and we were sitting down and a young fella came in with light skin, a, a white boy and his girlfriend, they're young adults. And he looked at me and he was just like, I wish I, I, wish I had skin like him. I don't want my skin anymore. Mm. You know, at that point, the earth opened up and mm. I went in and then I had to come back out mm -hmm. and just be present in the moment. Because when you talk mm -hmm. to children, you'll understand, you know, we all understand when we talk to our children that they might say one thing and it means something else. But because, because we've had so many issues or important issues, things that happened before that affected that discussion and, and presented that to us in a, in a negative way. I had to be sure that I ticked all of the boxes to make sure, like, is it because he doesn't like his skin? Is it because somebody said something to him? Is this a residual issue from what happened or something he's hearing? And children can only communicate, but so well at a certain age. So in the end, fortunately, I believe it was more about him wanting the hairstyle because he understood mm -hmm. that if you look a certain way, your hair textures a certain way, and you can get a certain type of haircut. But I had all bells ringing in my head. Like, I just did not know what to do. And so mm -hmm. for me, it's like, you want to respond in that moment. So all I've done, especially when he shocks me or these instances happen, he has situations like this, is I always tell him I'll revisit it. Be like, that's very interesting. Do you mind if I think about it? And I talk to you about it again. And then I reach out. I post about it. I ask questions. You know, I talk to my friends and stuff. And then I kind of, you know, do some research and figure out ways that I can talk to him about it sometimes. And then when I revisit it, sometimes it's more than it needs to be, but it's a continuous thing situation. Mm -hmm. And um, I've seen, there's just so much I could tell you about what that experience has been for us. Um, being in a place where we are the minority minority. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's, it's a lot. And I, I don't think it's going to get better. So if I had anything I wanted, it would be, um, for him to keep experiencing what diversity is 
in, in its entirety, not by me just pinpointing specific people and pictures and shows to reaffirm who he is and how he can feel good about who he is because of the skin that he's in. I was just, I was not ready. Mm -hmm. I definitely yeah. was not ready. Yeah. You know Naya? Yeah, it's just a, just a comment. And I think you're doing an excellent mm -hmm. job distilling. I think so. I mean, Missouri, you know, it is what it is. That part of the world is what it is. And you are in a tough spot. And based on what you've said, I think you're doing a fantastic job. Um, but I, I just want to express the anger and frustration um, when I think about this, because at that age, white mothers are not doing the same work with their children. They don't have yeah. And so they get to just be kids mm -hmm. and children who don't look like them have. And that, that is why I'm adamant that I will not let Buria slip through. Mm -hmm. You know, in those instances where. So, for example, let's say we move back to the Caribbean. I, I will not let him slip through. I will have him, I will do my best to raise him to be accountable for the effect of how he looks on yes. other people. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that the police will stop him, but they will let him go. Mm -hmm. Like in Trinidad, they will think twice before they lock him up. They wouldn't right. drop him on the concrete one time. Mm -hmm. You know, he needs to be aware that he's walking around with that kind of power for no mm -hmm. reason other than the DNA that he got. You know, mm -hmm. um, but it makes me angry to think that children's childhoods are being cut short, mm -hmm. you know, and their mothers are doing this extra emotional labor to not just protect them and teach them, but to protect them from people who shouldn't be a threat. Mm -hmm. Right. One thing I'd like to say is we do have from some close friends. Mom is British. They're both white. There's a white couple, white children. Um, mom is British. Your father's American and the little boy and Connor are best friends. Well, we left them back in Delaware, unfortunately. And they did ask. They asked me how they could support support us mm -hmm. and i don't know if they what they intended by that question but i took the opportunity to explain to them how things look differently to me than they mm -hmm. look to them and the fact that as long as they remain friends i would love for them to assist me in under in having their son understand his voice carries you know what i mean his voice is going to have weight when they are together because these little children cannot, as you say, children who don't look like us can enjoy certain things. They don't have to overthink things. Like mm -hmm. when I first started in my detail as, a, as an officer, I didn't tint my car. I was driving in the middle of the country to go and examine places where people came up to me flat out and was just like, you're not from here. Like they didn't say good morning. They didn't say mm -hmm. good evening. And the only thing that kept me from having some interaction or altercation is the fact that they knew that I represented the law in a certain yeah. capacity. Mm -hmm. So it is always having a target. So, I mean, like, you know, it, it was a means of making money, the career and those kind of things. But I always, I was afraid. There were times that I was afraid, you know. So we would rush back to our hotel and stay there because I didn't want to go out in the, in the place and try to go out and have dinner somewhere or pick up food on the way. And it's not that it's like that everywhere. And it's not yeah. that I, when I go in, I'm afraid and there are people with pitchforks or anything like that. Most people think that they're not doing anything wrong by the mm -hmm. way that they communicate with you and the things that they insist on discussing. Because we live in a, a very, we live in a certain place where people believe certain things and there are certain values that they uphold. And so... The way that I present us and how I speak up for us, it challenges that status quo somewhat. 
you know, mm-hmm. where do I get off? Mm-hmm. How do I, you know, so I have to toe a very fine okay. line because I also want to be sure that this, the um, attention that's placed on him is one that he can flourish with that attention and get the help that he needs versus yeah. him having a target on his back where he is isolated and allowed, you know, people are allowed to do him anything. So I have to still not only rely on administrators at the school or wherever we go, but to speak to him about what he is allowed to do and who he is. So I mm-hmm. tell him, I like, you know who you are. You know, we don't believe negative things about ourselves that other people tell us. You mm-hmm. get to be the voice that you hear. Let's talk about who you are. And I have him repeat, who are you? You know, when children say this and the other, what do you think about those things? But who are you? You know, because they are going to say those things to you. And it's just mm-hmm. more support than I think I needed to give somebody who's five or six. He turned mm-hmm. seven on Friday. He is not mm-hmm. a big kid, you know? But it's really giving positive reinforcement continuously and it's and it's never ending, you know? It's never ending because I, I can't let up and have somebody else speak to him in a way that deva- makes him feel devalued or etches away at the foundation that I am building in his mind right now because of yeah. where we live, you know? So... It's, it's a challenge. Yeah. And I think for, for our listeners who are still residing in the Caribbean, they may not even appreciate that this is the amount of work that needs to go in to just raising a child just because you're outside of the Caribbean. The, a lot of these issues, not saying that in the Caribbean is perfect. We know, like Naya said, there's privilege in the Caribbean as well. <clears throat> However, there are certain conversations that we did not have to experience with our parents or friends or families because those situations didn't exist. So this mm-hmm. is new to all of us, I think. Yeah. And um, it is tiring. I know, I know it can be tiring, as Naya said, it can make you angry and um, it makes you question, you know, if you made the right choice in terms of location as well. I think right? one of the things about, about the comparison with the region is how much more sophisticated the prejudice in the Caribbean is. Mm. And it is not the same ignorant prejudice. Mm-hmm. So I remember one time it was really, it, it was, it's funny now, Sometime around an election, I was going to work. I was at a television station at the time. My hair was flat iron, and I got in a taxi, and I'm going up the road. Me and the taxi driver alone. Lovely Indian gentleman in a big old car. And he starts to talk to me about the PNM hmm. and the blacks and mm-hmm. how they this and how they that, right? But the thing about it was, right, was that he automatically assumed that I was a card-carrying non-PNM, right? Correct. And... It was interesting to be on the other side of this, but I can have that experience in Trinidad, mm-hmm. right? I could cross a line in Trinidad. Mm-hmm. Can't cross any lines here, right? No. When people people use a lot of um, coded language to be racist in Trinidad, so when somebody says somebody is Rango Tango, the image mm-hmm. in your mind is never a Syrian Lebanese. No. Never a Chinese person. Mm-mm. Might be yes, Indian either, right? No. But... But it is more sophisticated because mm-hmm. there are ways to leave that Rango Tango group, right? Mm-hmm. There are things that you can be other than that, even if you look a certain way. In the United States, I don't have much experience with the UK, but in the United States, there is, is, a, is a 
there's a black box you're in there and that's it whatever happened and they happen nobody could explain how it's happening but you can't come out of it mm-hmm. and i think that speaks to our intelligence like just a different kind of intelligence in the region that we don't ever i don't think we play up enough mm-hmm. and people like us who live outside of of the region should be using that intelligence to educate it's like how my granny will cook curry for Eid and my Muslim friends, curry pork for Eid, and my Muslim friends will buy a turkey ham for Christmas and we participate in each other's cultures. Mm-hmm. We have a kind of sophisticated expertise when it comes to diversity and inclusion that other people don't have. And yeah. so I don't play by the rules of the people I meet. So, for example, you talked about beckification of the language when you're on the phone, when you're at work. I drag them through a, a 101 in how to st- how to understand a training. Because mm-hmm. I am not giving you, I'm not giving you that. That this is my skill, right? The mm-hmm. fact that I can incorporate Hindi, like I know what Mustana Bahar is. I I call cumin jira. I know these things because of where I'm from, and I don't want to lose any of that in my interaction with you. Because my job is almost to teach you. Because look at mm-hmm. how well we do this thing, mm-hmm. how well we integrate, and how poorly you do it. You're struggling. Mm-hmm. Like how many? Decades after civil rights, you're still struggling. Mm-hmm. Yet still, you know, we have a, a population known as Douglas. Yeah. We respect and accept that they are, a, a, you know, a part of who we are. So I try not to give in too much to their structure. It's difficult. It makes my life a lot harder. I could do it because my child is still small. Correct. But I, you know... That is how I, I struggle against it, not to lose the sophistication that I was raised with mm-hmm. to sort of come to their version of how things should be. And I mean, this brings me to the next topic that I really wanted to address because this podcast is not just about the conversation, but it's also about finding the resources that are out there or tips and tricks and hacks that, you know, cultural hacks that we can use to help us, right? So for instance, I mean, I feel like the reason why I had to have Kyola on the podcast is because I interacted with Kyola last, late last year, and I saw, I witnessed her interaction with Connor firsthand, and I said, oh my God, this is on another level, right? Like, I thought I was doing an okay job with my son, but when I saw that, I'm like, okay, Chanel, you have some work to do, right? Just the the in the intel the intelligent conversations that she was having with Connor, the fact that he had emotional intelligence at six, and you know, just just so many facts. The way that she was she's able to express herself clearly. She has thought about this. She's reflected on you know what she thinks works, and she's almost like a veteran. She's not a veteran quite yet, but almost on her way there. So. You know, I feel like there are things that she uses and tools that she uses that we can share with everybody. And so I want to ask, well, I know for me, the timeouts work for Kyrie with the discipline, but it did not work when he was two years, uh, when he was a year old, right? I mean, it started working when he was around 18 months and older, um, so I kind of struggled for that first year because I'm trying to figure, okay, he's only a year. He can't really understand. He can't communicate. He doesn't get time out. He's just crying. Um, 18 months to two years, okay, he's getting better at it and it works now. He's almost three. 
Um, and I think like, okay, he knows timeout. He can figure it out, right? Um, but there are a lot of other tools out there that I feel like we've not had the, ex- the pleasure of being exposed to because our parents, you just got the eye or you just got the pinch or you just got the slap and you knew what to do. So, you know, cut. No. <laughs> And, and there's not have enough clothes on. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Hi, Connor. So um, I don't know if, Kyola, you want to just give us one tool that you use that helps. Let's specifically talk about discipline because I feel like that's a big thing for mm-hmm. us. I know. So like, because in the heat of the moment, I just want to snap. That's me. I just like, yes. what are you doing? Right? I don't know how to adjust that to then, I don't know, you do a whole lot of reflection and all that in between and come up with a response <laughs> in like five seconds. I don't know how to do that. So um, maybe t- talk me through that initial reaction. <laughs> I know, I put you on There's the a lot. Connor, two and seven. No, it's fine. I'm I'm fine with sharing, you know, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not... um. I don't have steps. I don't have like a, oh, these are the 10 steps that I have. There was a lot of trial and error and there's a lot of emotion involved Mm -hmm. in it or in in the psychology of it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Because when I thought about how I wanted, what I want out of the relationship with Connor and I, it was understanding that he was a person. Mm -hmm. That was very important to me. And that came from some of what I, I, I feel felt as a child and what stayed with me. When I was a child, I felt like when you get big, you could do children what you wanted. Mm. That was a goal when you got when you became an adult. I can't wait till I get big. I could tell children what I want because that is that is some of what I experienced. That is what resonated with me. I had teachers mm-hmm. who were already being in primary and secondary school. Mm-hmm. And then they, my parents were dealing with their own situations. They were raising us. They were taking care of us. Our needs were met. But they... Would I am a different parent to that because I up in the school. I have time. I will always mm-hmm. have time to be there mm-hmm. at school to have a discussion, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and to sit and speak and ask questions and all those things and say if I need help. But it was very much the teacher is the boss of you, right? Mm-hmm. And so and so the parent did not stand in a gap. And so I under, I knew from from some of the experience that I had, I wanted to advocate for my son. So mm-hmm. that's a person. He's a person. And then understanding that I'm raising him for everybody else, not for me. I'm just fortunate enough to have the responsibility of doing it. And there's sometimes and it does, it's not so fun. And there are times when it's fun. And so when I thought of it from that perspective, I wanted to create, I am trying to create a pathway where my son doesn't see me as mummy from one to 18 and then at 18 he meets me as an adult i -hmm. want him to meet me as a person that i am even though right now relationship is very much based on my responsibility for him the things that i have to take care of or whatever but i do know again from my own experience when i met my parents as people for the first time and it was jarring i had to see my mother as a woman as a person Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and how all these experiences that she had made her who she was and why our relationship is as it is or isn't why she did all those things what help or help help she had or did not have but i had to learn who she is as a person outside of mommy same for Mm -hmm. my father so i mean i can't 
put all of my proclivities on Connor and these are the pensions. I, I like this or like that, but with him and I actually actively living together, mm-hmm. then he understands how I favor things. And so that has built into some of the emotional intelligence for him because I will hear it where he'll say, oh, mommy, I know you want to eat first before I ask you for something else. I'm going to wait for you to eat first and then ask you a question. How did he come to that conclusion? Because he got rolled up once or twice where I said, let me eat. I want to eat first. Give me a chance. I fed you first. Mommy's tired. Let me sit down for a minute. And it softened because, again, frustration, right? Spur of the moment. And then I realized all he was hearing is anger and not understanding the meat of the matter. So Mm -hmm. I then slowed down my responses because one thing with children or with my son specifically, they are repetitive. You know they're going to do something else in the same way. So then you're you're ready. You understand? The first time it might catch you. And then where the discipline part of it, where I fly off the handle, because it still happens, Mm -hmm. a friend of mine... Um, in another forum, I think one of the online forums, um, somebody was talking about their their discipline and people were talking about, yeah, so you have to beat them and then, you know, that kind of thing. And I remember my friend commenting um, and she said, people beat because they're frustrated. Mm-hmm. Think about whatever that child has done and you're not in a frustrated state, how would you behave? Would you still just beat them? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you stop for a minute? And think so. Mm-hmm. I focus more on calming me than dealing with the problem. Yeah. Let me calm me first, so I am the best me. I'm in the best state of mind, and then I can deal with him. Because mm-hmm. two of us might as well just hold one another and cry, like when they're babies and they're up in the mm-hmm. night and they're crying and you're tired. Both all crying. You're yeah. rocking. You know what I mean? So it's the same thing, just that we have more tools. They can talk. They can express themselves a little better. So for me, it's really coming myself first and and taking that time it means sometimes that i cannot react right away if it's not a safety right. issue then i right. do not force myself to respond in that manner mm-hmm. and um my work has forced me to also slow down so if i can exercise that that control in the workplace, then I can exercise even more that control at home. You know, it's not not open season on my son. He should not be Mm -hmm. victim to my emotions, you know? So when I think about him as a person, I think about how valuable he is because if I'm protecting my job, I've gone on a job where I'm in the boardroom meeting with everybody and they wouldn't shake my hand. The men, there were men who passed me over and shook hands over my shoulder just to make sure I knew that I was not there. Now, of course, I inside my mind, I went to cat spraddle everything, but I smiled. You know what I mean? And I acknowledged them because I know who I am in that room. Even if you decide you do not want to acknowledge me, I know mm-hmm. who I am. So I have to remember who my son is, that mm-hmm. he is a person. And these experiences that we have, I could choose the ones that I want him to remember, but he's going to pick the ones that matter to him. You follow? Yeah. And yep. so I to try to cast a wider net and say, let me give him a little more experiences with mommy not flying off the handle than those being at the forefront. And so I don't really have like a clear cut. I just have had a little more time mm-hmm. and a little more patience mm-hmm. than I thought I ever could have. And I think <laughs> if life picking kids or kids picking you as a brand tub, I got the best prize in the brand tub Aww, because sweet. it's really been, and, and with that in mind, I don't know if I want to play that lottery again, because I might get, a whole different type of child and the same for real. 
because that child might have to snatch them up more than not. You know what you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? I know. It's it's not a, you know, it's, he's always, I've had more time and I've had a lot of failures along the way. And so I just think practicing that moment where I just still myself first and think about what I want the outcome to be, you know, how I want, what I want his takeaway to be, what is he going to learn from that Mm -hmm. and know that it's, it's a building block, then it helps me do things a little different. So, yeah. So Danielle, I want to bring you in because you've been quiet and um, you have two, you have two little ones. How do you manage any tips, tricks, hacks that you want to give to us? I think the Uh first thing for me was, was I think I had to grieve Mm -hmm. not having my, parenting away from my family and what I had in my mind mm-hmm. envisioned when I was going to have children because I was the one to have at least one child but it, my reality is not what I had ever dreamed it would be I genuinely right. thought I'd be happy in you know Diego Martin you know granny and grandma down the road and I think I had to it took me a long time I think to accept that literally it's myself and my husband and mm-hmm. I had to think about what was important to me. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I I made a decision, and I'm very happy with my decision, is I want to do pick up and drop off. I know it sounds really small, but actually that's my value to connect and to be there as a parent. Because you know what? They don't have granny and granddad to spoil them. They don't have an auntie right. and uncle to spoil them. You know, mm-hmm. um, not that spoiling is important, but you know what I mean? Like they don't have that extra, mm-hmm. you know, support that we grew up with and I think and I, I do think about that quite a lot so for me you know I thought about first of all what's important to me what kind of mom do I would I like to be not in a perfect sense but in a realistic sense mm-hmm. and thinking about how do I want to show up for my children and how do I want to show up for myself and I think part of of it is that life is very busy and all of us, we respond really automatically, you know, in situations, like you said, you know, we just get angry, we respond in a moment, and that, that's normal, that's human life. Mm-hmm. But what for me was the biggest thing, I think, in the last couple of years, and particularly the pandemic kind of brought to light is just being more aware of my own feelings, mm-hmm. my own thoughts, and really think, taking a pause sometimes. For example, you know, like when, Sometimes my kids cry to wash their hair and I'm not hurting them, literally. I'm just like, you want to do it yourself, you know, please do it yourself. You know, like, right. I'm happy to help, I'll assist, you know, like, I mean, the little one I have to help, but the sick, almost six-year-old, she, she's, she's, we've been doing this for a while. And so once I get my, I find myself getting angry and what I noticed is that I try where possible to take space in a really safe way. So like the day she was just screaming in the shower and I was like, I don't know why you're screaming. I could hypothesize that you're very tired, you're overtired, you know, Mm -hmm. who knows? Um, And I just said to her, in this moment, I'm getting very overwhelmed. I'm just going to take a couple of seconds outside, meaning just outside the bathroom door. I left the bathroom door when she was fine. You know, Mm -hmm. I took a couple of deep breaths and then I came back and I said, okay, how would you like us to do this moving forward? You have this choice or that choice? And I, I, I gave her what I think was two realistic choices. Not, not you know, you do this by yourself. I say, you know, I need to monitor. So it's either A, you monitor and you ask me for help, you know, or, or B, I do it for you. But 
something have to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and your hair gets washed. <laughs> your hair is getting washed yeah, today. Exactly. It's <laughs> realistic yeah, options for them. It's so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, listen, we have no choice here. You have to wash. You understand? Like, mm-hmm. there's no negotiable, pal. You know, this is mm-hmm. what it is. Um, and one thing that I I do, which I, I mean, my, my mom is really lovely, but and I was saying that she was she like the way how she set boundaries. I never felt like it was super strict. If that makes sense, and I always adhered to. But mm-hmm. I think because sometimes I don't have that space. I, I know that I get frustrated really easily sometimes, especially after a long day, you know, if I've had a tricky day at work, um, I get frustrated and, I, and and if I raise my voice, I'll go back and say, especially if it was unwarranted, I mean, it's like I said to you all, if it's a parking lot, I'm not going to apologize for that because I don't yeah. want you to get knocked down and die. That, that, that mm-hmm. is the long and short of it, right? But mm-hmm. if it is that, you know, I... I was short. I actually go back to them and apologize. I make it a point to, like, like you said, you know, and I said, you know, I just want to let you know, I'm really sorry I raised my voice and I shouted. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I am sorry. And I, I talked to them about, you know, this is why, you know, I, I kind of said to you 10 times to please do something, you know, and you, would, you didn't listen to me. And I, I don't want to shout. And I needed to listen a bit earlier on. So I apologize for it, but I tried to get some context about, you know, 10 times how much time I will talk, especially, yeah. you know, time passing, you know, you have to go on to dinner and all these things. But I tried to apologize, but not, not excuse my behavior. I apologize and I give context around it. And I would say if your parents are outside of the Caribbean, I think, fine, from, I, I, do, I don't know about, about you guys, but, but for me, I needed to get, and I had to, create a community this is the only way i stay sane honestly just because i i like i said to you i never thought i would parents so far away from mm-hmm. my family so i have so my child my well we call them child minders it's similar to a babysitter button mm-hmm. but they're regulated if that makes sense oh, okay so they have uh-huh. to get a specific um training so my child minder she's amazing um you know she's portuguese she has ras you know like She's amazing, you know, so she's very cultural of my kids. And I have a mom friend and those, it's only two people, but that's what I needed. Mm-hmm. When I, before I had them, like in my life, I was literally in tears on a, on a regular because no. I felt lonely in my, in my journey. I, my husband is amazing, don't get me wrong. But because how I planned to have my children wasn't my reality. Mm-hmm. I was, and I hadn't gone through the grief process of that loss, like acknowledging and accepting that loss. I'm, yeah. I'm there on that journey now, I've accepted it. Mm-hmm. But that for me, that was really instrumental, just having two people in my neighborhood or area who I could be like, you know what? Oh my God, these children are driving me like absolutely mental. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And, and I, I, I still struggle to be honest with, with taking time for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they all talked about babysitters. Because of my line of work, I'm a bit uh, always hesitant about about people. Absolutely. Just just because I I, I, I know the I hear the horror. I hear the horror yeah, of, 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 uh-huh. of human life. So, you know, and I, I think because of that I'm just a little less willing at this oh. point mm-hmm. in my life to have a so people tell me all the time, why don't you just get a baby to go out? And I, I just think to myself, 
I'll wait until we have a family member come to visit. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. That that's when I wait. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And so, as we wrap up, I like to ask. We're gonna. Well, this is the second to last thing that I'm gonna ask. But first, I want to ask everyone just to lighten up the mood a little bit um, <clears throat> to share a song about their journey that's representative of their journey um so we'll go around just your song and maybe why nayat no i have to go last because i'm the person who didn't have a song remember <laughs> so i have to so my friend suggested that um not an easy road is buju saying that song yes yeah i don't know if that's yes. the name of the song but that line in itself mm -hmm. I feel, that's the one. I feel that's the Is it? I that so. not an easy road would be the one. It, mm -hmm. it would really just be it because it's not an easy road. It's it's no. a long journey and it's still not easy regardless. A lot of things, sorry, mommy, sorry. A lot of lessons to learn. A lot of things I have to learn about him as he becomes who he is. It's not easy, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not easy. So All right. Good one, good one. Mm -hmm. Daniela? So I don't know if you all have seen Vivo on Netflix, um, mm. but there's a song. Oh, you all need to watch it. It's very lovely. I saw it. <laughs> oh, oh. So there's, there's a song called Keep the Beats, which I mm. think is is really helpful because it talks about when when things go wrong or when things don't go as planned, what can you do? And he, so he says, you know, when my tanks run dry, I just see what's in reserve. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think, you know, when I think about therapy in life, you know, I just thought that that song just completely embodies what all I can do is just you lean into whatever is happening and you try your best. Mm -hmm. That literally is all we can do as parents. Yes, you know? yes. I love that. Naya, do we give you enough time? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> um, there is a band called Kobo Town. Does anybody know Kobo Town? Kobo Town is actually a Trini band based in Canada. Oh. And they have a very beautiful song called Before the Day Star. So it's not that I don't have a song. I have mm -hmm. a playlist that I oh. built while I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I, every time I heard a song that made me think of him, I would add it. So there are lots of songs on here. Um, Better right. Five, The Luckiest. This song by Kobo Town, I think. Space for a Heart by Freetown Collective. Mm -hmm. and, um, um, His name we were dry. Well, so we knew his name would be Buria, which means storm. And we knew that before. I knew it before he was conceived. His father also knew it really? before we met each other. And then we talked about it. We had the same name. And then we were thinking about okay, that. Wait, how? 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 So it's random. I, my sister, babysat for a couple who was not from Trinidad, who lived in Federation Park, came back. This is like, she was like 15. Right. So I would have been like 18. I heard mm -hmm. the name put it in the back of my head, moved on with life. Always oh thought goodness. it was a wonderful name, wanted to have it. When he got married, um, he wanted to name his child Buria, and his ex-wife was like, no, let's name him something else. And we had that conversation. It was wild. And then one day we were oh driving God. in the car listening to Freetown Collective. And the first line of Space for a Heart is, I was born to be a storm. Mm. And it's like... That's what we've done. That's it. That's the name. Yeah. No question. So that one is significant. So I have a lot of them. But Kobo Town's um, Daystar, uh, before the Daystar, is like, you know, you were in creation before the sun. Mm. Before there was a sun, there was a you. 
-hmm. and so don't allow people to strip you of the things that you are just be be as eternal as as the sun is to you oh i love that so you guys have to send me links to these songs because I need to. I know I gotta. I have to check I'm it like, out. I want to listen to these. Yeah, definitely wonderful. And the last thing I'm gonna ask, because yeah, this is definitely now a two-parter, um, <laughs> is a message, and it doesn't have to be a long message, but just in case any of the kids get to watch this or listen to it as a podcast, um, what's one message that you want to send to them today? Starting with Kyola. Because <laughs> I'm the one who always has um chatty. Yes, yes. But you know, you don't need to be chatty right now. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, message. Message in my the message for my son would be that I love him so much. You know, everything I do is is because I love him. And mm -hmm. I think the world of him and becoming a mom has really, as cliched as it sounds, it's completely changed my life. And he's made me um, seek seek to be the best version of myself that I could be for him. That's what right. I would love for him to know. Oh, thank you. And Daniela? I think I want them to know that I tried my best every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're doing great. <laughs> All right, and Naya? I would, I would say to him, very lovely. You are absolutely meant to be, um, and you are perfect no matter what happens. And I want you to always remember that. It's not just that mommy said it. A lot of cosmic work went into you being here, and mm -hmm. you belong. Just mm -hmm. like everything else that is here, you belong. Yes. Amen to that. Ladies, oh my gosh, I this was just a really fabulous chat. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of this. And maybe season six, we might revisit it when all the kiddos are older and we have different, or maybe we're in different locations or whatever. Hopefully you're open to doing this again. But thank you so much for today. We appreciate you. You are all doing fantastic jobs raising your children abroad and just raising your children period <laughs> yeah so thank you thank you and um yeah until we meet again thank you bye, bye. caribbean birth stories has been brought to you by the amai birth collection Head over to theamishop.com, that's the A-M-A-I-shop.com, for special offers and to learn more about the Amai family. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'd be grateful if you could leave a review about what you're loving on this podcast, and be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes.